Welcome back to Let It Be Us, a foster care and adoption podcast. My name is Ross Cochran, and this is the season finale of season two. Thank you for listening, and thank you so much for the support of the podcast. But I sincerely hope that this is only your first step in your journey on how you support kids in foster care, or that this is simply just one part of how you come alongside this community. Today, I want to share with you some practical wisdom from the experts you heard throughout this season all about what to do in those early days of foster care placements. If you're looking at your first placement or if you're just wondering what those days might look like, this is the episode for you. We're covering everything from what to do about food to what to do about pets and work. So grab something to take notes with. And if you feel like we don't answer your question on this episode, that's why I want you to go to letitbs.org and reach out to the staff directly or go to one of their webinars or better yet, do both. So let's get started. First up, we have Susan McConnell. She starts with what's the most important thing from her perspective that foster parents need to be in order to welcome a child into their home. Thanks for listening. Um, To be open, to be open and honest with themselves and um, to prepare to welcome a child or a sibling set or a teen into your home. The most important thing to do is to be open willing to listen, willing to learn, and willing to help. These are kids who are at their most vulnerable and and they need you. We don't always know when children come into foster care what their story will be, and we need to be patient with that. We need to help them get into school, we need to help them find their way, and we need to help them settle. And in order to do that, we have to be settled ourselves. Next, Kathy Newberry from Let It Be Us reminds us that when the phone rings, there's one thing we should do before anything else. And when that phone does ring, when you get a placement, take a breath because we're all like, whoa, I got a call. I'm so excited. Take a break. Take a second. Think about you need. I looked up online years ago, like what to ask when the phone rings and printed out different things like, you know, the name, the age, you know, um, is this a first placement? Are they being moved from another placement? If they're being moved from another placement, why are they being moved? Are there siblings? Where are we, you know, just all these different questions that after you hang up that phone, you're like, why didn't I ask this? And so I'm just saying when the phone rings, take a second, just, okay, here we go. That list of questions Kathy mentioned is available in the show notes of this episode, but back to Susan McConnell, who answers a very important question. What should you do about work? Uh, It is always good to let your employer know ahead of time that you're interested in becoming a foster parent. Uh, Sometimes more often than not, now they have benefits where you have time off. You know, when that child arrives at your home or children and it's evening, they're probably not going to get to school the very next day unless you're in that area. Um, So there's a little bit of figuring things out. It's good to go to your school district district ahead of time and say, I'm going to be a foster parent. Um, I'm getting licensed for younger kids. I'm getting licensed for older kids. Um, what's the, what are the forms that I need? How do I get my kids into school the fastest? How can you prepare and talk to your pediatricians? You can get them in line ahead of time, figure out who your service provider is going to be for mental health. 
you know, these are all ways that you can prepare to be a really strong foster parent and be a really strong parent. Next, Karen Shaw reminds us that prepping the physical location for a child is an important step that shouldn't be overlooked. And make sure you're actually home when the caseworker arrives at your house. The first thing you should do is see if you have your space ready for the child, the actual physical bedroom. And you should because your licensed foster parent and your licensing workers already come out and checked out your home. But when I say make sure it's ready, you know, maybe you did something in between that visit from the licensing worker. (laughs) And now that you're going to get that kid. So if you had anything that, you know, like me, sometimes you use extra space for doing laundry, you know, (laughs) maybe you get that laundry out of there, (laughs) figure out that bed, make sure the bed is ready. Uh, make sure everything is, you know, the bed has clean sheets, you know, just make sure that that bedroom is ready. I think it's important. Um, um, do you have anything else that you need to do to prepare for this kid? I don't know if, you know, if you work from home or if you don't work from home, you know, are you ready to take that kid at that time that the worker is saying that he or she is going to bring the kid? You know, is it you as an individual single parent or maybe you're married or you have a partner? Is someone going to be there to receive the child at that time? Um, seems kind of basic, but, you know, coordination is, is very vital in this conversation <laughs> because there are times when someone will bring a worker, a worker will bring a kid and the parent is not there at the house. <laughs> and oh. then the worker <laughs> is like, what do I do now with the child? <laughs> Take them to McDonald's. The first night a child from foster care is in your home is an unbelievable experience. Susan shares some wisdom on what to do to make that experience easier on both you and the child. We've learned that children at night can can get scared and it's important to have um, night lights. It's important to be accessible. They're not going to put a dangerous child in your home. If a, if a child is not appropriate for a home, they're not going to go to a home. But So you have to you have to safely expect that a child who's coming to your home is a is appropriate for a home. Um, if you have a dog and, and, and they're, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if the dog could sleep with them? Wouldn't it be awesome if they're two sisters or two brothers and they can stay together? You know, that that would be the ultimate is um, is keeping those siblings together. So there there's a lot that a family can do to prepare for that. And, uh, and there's a lot that they can do to, to prepare themselves for the unexpected. We have to be comfortable being uncomfortable, but we're the adults here. One of the most common issues people ask about is food. We all have a sense that food insecurity is a problem, even if we aren't connected to the local foster care. But these next clips are all about food. First, you'll hear from Dr. Heather Jill Risser from Northwestern Medicine on why the behaviors around food for kids in foster care might be surprising to you. And there are ways. So there are certain households where they say things like, oh, well, there's no eating in your bedroom. That's just a rule. Um, And so are there ways that you can think about, okay, to um, support that child's needs and also 
um, set that rule. So, okay, we're not going to, we we really don't want to eat in your bedroom, but here, I'm going to put this basket of snacks outside your door, and whenever you feel like you need a snack, you just grab a snack and you go to the table. Um, And then it's your job then to make sure those snacks are always full. So that that child, every time they walk in or out of their bedroom, they're reminded that they have snacks. And so one of the things that happens sometimes is kids don't know if their next meal is is guaranteed. So they may take any food that they can quickly grab and then put it in their room. And sometimes that's perishable food. So you will find, you know, chicken or, or apples under the bed and then they didn't need it because you're giving them meals. And so then that food rots. And so one of the things you may want to think about are what types of food that you leave out so that they can't. I mean, certainly you do want them to grab apples or bananas or whatever. Um, But are there also, but if that's the case, then you can say, hey, every morning, every night, I want you to check under your bed and see if there's any food there. Check in your drawers. If there's any food there that you didn't eat, let's go ahead and put it back in the bowl. And then if you want it um, at another time, you can have it. Um, and so you sort of help help them, engage them. So it's not like, ooh, a gotcha moment. We found this apple in your drawer. No, no. But it's more of a, hey, let's make sure that we're staying safe and healthy and that our food is um, always fresh and so that we're not uh, ever in a position that we're going to have to eat food that's not fresh or that it could attract bugs. Um, so you tell them why you're doing that. You engage them in that be- behavior and, and you reinforce that the food is still available to them. We're just going to take it out of your drawer. If it's still good, let's put it back in the bowl or let's put it back in the basket. And then eventually, hopefully, um, you can move that basket further away from their door so that it's on a counter or it's on a table or wherever you uh, feel comfortable. Or maybe they have a whole section in the fridge that's always theirs. And you can help them, you can engage them in the shopping. What do you want to be on that shelf? When do you want that shelf replenished? So they start to have some control over the situation. So they can say, hey, mom, I only have six apples left. We need more apples. Okay, let's go to the store today. We'll get more apples. Um, Until eventually that six might become three, might become two. um, So that they start to understand, oh, wait a minute. There is time after time I'm being shown that there's going to be more food available to me so that you really engage the child in that collaborative process of, of learning uh, that, the, that the environment is going to be different for them. Here, Susan shares some very practical tips like what you should buy from the store level practical. So when a child comes to your house, I suggest that you just have an array and that you have the food available. Some of these kids have not had a square meal. Some of these kids have not had uh, a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Some of these kids don't know what it's like to sit at a table and have a meal. So be flexible. Sometimes we have to put a bowl of fruit or a bowl of snacks in their bedroom so that they know that food is just not gonna be an issue anymore. So just be flexible. Um, Try to help them settle in and be comfortable. Sometimes food is is a great healer. And sometimes love is a great healer. And sometimes just being patient and let them calm, you know, calm themselves at their their own pace is the way to do it. Uh, The good news about being in foster care, being a licensed foster parent, is you've got a lot of help around you. You have other foster parents. You have, uh, often you'll have a foster parent support specialist. You'll have your agency. You know, you're seldom alone. 
Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Before we go any further, I want to take a second and make sure you go to letitbeus.org right now. Go ahead and hit pause on this podcast if you need to. I'll wait. Guys, I don't work for Let It Be Us, but I believe in their mission, and I know that you believe that every child deserves a loving home. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't agree with me. So you might be thinking, okay, Ross, cool. Why did you stop the podcast just to tell me something that I already know? It's a great question. Thanks for asking. Because I want to make sure that you have signed up for the Let It Be Us newsletter and that you're following them on their social media channels. I know that might sound weird, but their newsletter audience is the first place to find out publicly available information about any kids in care that Let It Be Us becomes aware of. And they don't spam you or sell your information or anything like that. Plus, I promise you that the information that Let It Be Us puts out on their social media channels is something you're actually going to want to stay connected to. But on a broader level, if this podcast is your first step into the world of foster care, I am so glad that you're here, but I do not want this to be your only step. Take the next step, whatever that means for you, at letitbeus.org, but take that next step today. All right, back to the show. In case it isn't clear, food is kind of a big deal for kids in foster care. Vanessa Bai from Let It Be Us has more. Unfortunately, we know that kids have, that have experienced you know, severe neglect, abuse, whatever has gone on in the, in the family, um, we see this a lot as this food kind of complications. And they, um, you know, I think Heather kind of talked about it pretty well. They, they will hoard food. They'll hide it under their bed, you know, put it in their closet, wherever. Um, and it, it is a, exactly as she said, it's a survival technique um, to know it's a comfort, to know that there's something there to eat because they've stayed in this situation so you know so long that they didn't know if their next meal was coming or when um right. so knowing that something is there um at all times is is, is common there's a few more bits of wisdom that i want to make sure you hear before we're done Susan and the team at Let It Be Us are in the middle of conducting a survey, learning more about the experience foster parents are having when a placement comes in. In this clip, she shares about what questions have come up and what more foster parents wish they knew before the child arrived. Literally everyone doesn't have information on mental health, on mental health background, on mental health needs, on prescriptions. So that's very, very important. Um, where's this child been in terms of mental health? What should I expect? How can I help? What are the service providers? Uh, are there appointments? Uh, are there medications? That's a really, really important question. Um, school is important. You need a form, a specific form to get them in school. It's currently called a 906 form. Um, make sure the caseworker doesn't leave without you getting that form because that's really, really important. Um, and really, I think those are, we're seeing that from this survey that's coming back. Uh, we're, we're seeing that they know a lot about, uh, they're, they're, they're getting information on, um, on physical health, 
We're getting information on their previous placement. They're not getting information on why they came into foster care, how long they've been in foster care, how many movements have they had within foster care. Because you'd like to know that. How settled is this child? How's this transition going to be? That's important information. I don't know. I actually don't, you know, like I said, we're in the middle of the survey. I don't know if if it's, if, I don't know if it's possible to get that information, but that's some of the information that we're finding already that has been missing. It'd be great to do a podcast when we're done with this survey. In this next clip, Karen from Let It Be Us has a few reminders for all of us about helping kids in foster care, regardless of what that looks like for you in this next season. I think the other part too is that Sometimes the kids feel like they're torn between the foster parent and their birth parent and who they should be connected to. You know, like they care and love both. And they're like, well, who am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be connected and make sure I have support to my family? Because that's my, that is my, those, that's who I come from. You know, what should I do? Or should I be more, you know, connected to the foster parent because they're providing me a home currently and I care about them as well. And so a lot of it is kind of like that gray and unknown conversation I think that kids have. Um, and it, I mean, it's, I think that that's, something that we don't always talk about and a lot of it we don't really talk about at least in terms of what this process looks like to the kids like at least I think about when I was a caseworker I never really had a lot of conversations with the kids about TPR I always talk to the foster parent I was so involved in the court process walking talk to the attorneys talking to my supervisor about what's happening but the foster parent gets left out of that conversation about how you talk to the kid about it, you know? And I think that it's important to do that. There are a lot of times we talk about trauma and all the kids that come in here have been traumatized. Um, most of the time the kids have a therapist because they need to work through something related to the trauma that they experience. Um, always try to have the therapist be involved in those conversations about how do you talk to the kid about where they stand with the kid, either going towards adoption or going back home. And that's something that the therapist would normally be doing anyway and communicating with that kid about what that looks like. Um, but I think it's important too that the foster parent is engaged with the therapist and having conversations on an ongoing basis about what's happening with the permanency goal for this kid. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's valuable to have that communication and this has some practical tips like we're talking about to say, what's well, a good strategy right now? Cause I really don't know, you know, the kid, you know, the, you know, I think it's important not to, not to make the child feel bad about um, getting a permanent home if they're going to be going towards adoption. I think um, it's hard though, when you're talking about, am I never gonna see my family again? What does that look like? There's lots of questions that the kid is probably having. And it's kind of that, like I said, that unknown, that gray area of what's okay to talk about, or can I talk about everything about it? Because I just don't know. One of the most common mistakes people make in parenting, not just foster parenting, but parenting in general, and I'm certainly as guilty of this as anyone, is that we try to go at this without ever asking for help. 
parenting is too hard to do this alone. And even if you're a single parent, Kathy from Let It Be Us shares why community is so critical in this next clip. It's like Karen said, make sure that, you know, you've got all your information about the kiddo, the age and the situation, and then make sure you're ready. Make sure the room is ready. Um, I think Karen or someone said in one of our other meetings, like there was a mom that she always took teenagers. So she would pop in a pizza and start making cookies. So when they came in, there was that smell of who, you know, who doesn't like pizza and cookies. Mm -hmm. So like with, I, when, if I see stuff like on clearance, like baby dolls or, or stuffed animals, I try to pick them up and I keep them in a tote. So when I know there's a younger one coming, I grab one of those teddy bears and that's theirs. Um, I always have extra toothpaste, toothbrushes, stuff like that. So they have their own, that's theirs, that's their stuff. So and when I show them the room, I try to make it as friendly and open and welcoming as possible. And, you know, I don't have like my daughter come running out because it's like, okay, let's, this is my husband, Pat. And I always tell them, you can call me Kathy, you can call Pat. You can call us aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, but I do not really say right up front, call me mom and dad, because I'm not at that point. I'm, you know, the caregiver in their eyes. So um, just get ready. And, and we got a call at midnight for a very little baby. And I, at that, I wasn't prepared for, you know, needing newborn diapers and whatnot at 11 o'clock at night. So I got on the phone with one of my friends and the phone chain went and I had people coming in, bringing diapers and formula and clothes because sadly when the baby came, it didn't even have a bottle. So, you know, have your group prepared. I call them my tribe. They're my, I do the same for them. Like I put a call out. I have an extra twin bed just before I got on this. I'm like, anybody need a twin bed? That's why you keep hearing it, Dean. <laughs> Everybody needs a twin bed. So that's why. Lastly, Vanessa Bai from Let It Be Us shares what she tells new foster parents when they call her, especially when they are, well, let's just say overly anxious to get started. I, I would tell them to first and foremost, calm down. <laughs> um, <laughs> The clinician in me always says, calm is a superpower, um, yep. especially when that child is in your home and, and there are those tough days. Um, but I would also say, you know, get as much information about that child as, as you can, um, which is tricky because if a child is just coming straight out of their birth family, we don't know a whole lot. Um, and sometimes that's kind of almost a puzzle that we get to put together as that child, you know, spends time in placement. Um, but a child that has moved, you know, from multiple homes, has been in the system a little bit longer, you might be able to get as much information, um, get a little bit more information rather than a child who's just come into care. Um, I would say just prepare to, I, I always say, ride the wave. There's going to be really good things and there's going to be, you know, things that are really challenging and, you know, kind of expecting that. Um, remembering, you know, once that child's placed to not take it personally, um, as I think Heather's done a beautiful job explaining, um, that, you know, behavior is coming from somewhere and it's not about, it's not about us. And, um, I think it's a great thing when adults are able to kind of take on that burden. We're able to be patient. We're able to be calm, um, and prepare ourselves as best we can, um, to take placements in. But as I said before too, reaching out to the people who are doing this, 
you know, there's so many awesome Facebook groups and other social media options. Um, you can call me. I, it's nice because I, I am a therapist. So sometimes I talk to foster parents and I'm like, all right, I'm a little bit more of a therapist today than a um, mm-hmm. foster care educator here. Um, let people know, hey, I'm, I'm freaking out. And everyone's going to have their own little snippets of advice and support. And um, yeah, just like I said, be ready to, to ride the wave. Reach out to your network um, and have that basket of food in their room ready to go to. <laughs> Let It Be Us, a foster care and adoption podcast is made possible by the amazing team of experts at Let It Be Us. Check out the show notes wherever you're listening for more information about Let It Be Us and how you can help out kids in foster care today. This podcast is dedicated to the entire foster care community of parents, professionals, and donors who are doing everything they can to help kids in foster care across Illinois. This podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. The theme song for this podcast is Into Silence by Made to Be. And you also heard their song, You Know a Better Way. Thank you for being one of us. And thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon.